Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And we've got a very special episode today because with Roman off on exam study leave, we are joined by Ebree's new head of Nordics, Carl Lind. Carl is based in our, our brand new Stockholm office in Sweden, which opened at the beginning of October, the latest in our ongoing expansion that now sees Ebree operating in almost 40 offices in 25 countries worldwide. Our Stockholm office will act as our Nordic headquarters as the company looks to expand its footprint an offering in the Scandinavian region. Carl began working in the FX industry in 2006 at HSBC, based in London, and was more recently head of FX sales for the Nordics region at CorePay, after spending a number of years in between as an outdoor adventure guide. Uh, Carl, welcome to FX Talk, and thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, welcome, no Carl. No problem at all. Uh, and with Carl joining us on the podcast today, it would be, of course, remiss of us to not take a deep dive into the main currencies in Scandinavia. And we're very keen to hear your thoughts on some of those currencies a bit later. Uh, But before we do, we have a couple of main topics to get through because the last couple of weeks have been rather busy in the FX market. Last week, we saw the latest policy announcements from the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England. Uh, And the main theme among these major central banks appears to be that while more interest rate hikes are not necessarily likely, these policymakers are not in a rush to cut rates either. The Federal Reserve held rates steady last week, but kept alive the possibility of more hikes, as was expected. The Fed struck an upbeat note on US growth, saying that it saw strong expansion in Q3, which was an upgrade from the solid growth seen in September. These hawkish remarks were laced with caution, however, with Chair Powell hinting that higher Treasury yields and the time lag in policy transmission could limit the need for more tightening. Futures markets now see little chance of another US rate increase and are now pricing in the first rate cut for May 2024, following Friday's non-farm payrolls report for October. Last week's payrolls data was a major disappointment with a sharp drop in job creation, coupled with aggressive downward revisions to previous data, an increase in the jobless rate, which is now at the highest level since January last year, and a drop in wage growth. This repricing and wage rate expectations has triggered a sharp sell-off in the US dollar, which has seen the US dollar index drop to its lowest level since the 20th of September. Uh, But Enrico, what do you make of this situation, the the aggressive sell-off that we've seen in the dollar uh, and the market repricing for rates? Has this been perhaps a little bit aggressive? I don't know if it hasn't really been that aggressive. I mean, it, it's a, it's aggressive in the context of the of the significant rally that we saw in the dollar uh, since I think before the summer, um, which is it's uh, when we're back then with the euro one hundred five, for instance, uh, we're pricing in a very negative scenario outcome in in the European economy. Uh, we're pricing in the potential for continued hikes to close to six percent in the US. Um, so with with uh, the euro right now trading around the uh, one hundred seven level, um, we've, we've redressed about two percent, not even two percent of that. So I think it is it is an appropriate reaction, and I think that uh, at current levels, uh, 
the, the currency may be pricing something fairly reasonable, which is the end of hikes everywhere, uh, in, in both in the Eurozone and, and the US for now at least. And uh, uh, the outperformance of the European of the US economy relative to the European economy. So uh, yes, it's been it's been a sharp move of the last three days, especially in perils. But uh, I I think that 107 is a very reasonable level for the euro right now. And what do you think about uh, market pricing as well? So futures seeing the first rate uh, rate cut in the US in May next year. Do you think that's perhaps a little bit too soon? Uh, well, you know here that we have a bit of a difference, you and I. Um, I think that the market is underestimating how long rates will have to remain at these levels, which are not particularly high. 5% in, in, in the US, 4% in the Eurozone uh, are not historically high at all. They're, they're in fact closer to average. And I think the market's underestimating how long they will have to remain here uh, before inflation uh, converges convincingly to this, this 2% level that uh, that is the target for both the, the Fed and the European Central Bank. Um, I, I personally find it difficult to see any cuts either in the eurozone or in the US, frankly, at the very least, at the at, until late next year, at the earliest, which which is probably it's the biggest gap between market perception and and reality that I see uh, out there in interest rate markets. But I know that you have, yeah, you, your your vision is closer to what the market. Yes, no, I, do, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, mean, I think. Um, I think we do have a slight difference of opinion as to timing of of rate cuts. But I, I do agree in the fact that I think that the May meeting next year is is too early. Um, but certainly, if we look at the US, the US economy continues to power ahead, unlike the UK and eurozone, which are which are both on the brink of recessions. And instead of actually slowing down, the, the US economy is. Is picking up pace. If we look at recent GDP data, growth is nearly 5% annualised, retail sales are very strong, the PMIs remain above 50. It, I, I do think personally the market has got a little bit carried away and that this May 2024 is, is too soon. Uh, and I think there is a very good chance that we'll have to wait, perhaps not to 2025, but certainly second half of next year. Yeah, the, the, the key thing here is going to be the, the monthly impl- inflation print in the US, right? Um, the d- uh, inflation in the US has has led uh, that in the eurozone, so we can probably use uh, the evolution of US inflation as as uh, as a guide to what's going to happen in the eurozone. And here, while well, it's clear that we're no longer seeing the six seven percent six 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 and a half percent levels that we saw uh, perhaps eight to nine months ago. The last few months, um, inflation seems to be consistent more with a 4% level than a 2% level. So uh, the, the Fed's job is is not done. And I think that uh, bringing inflation from 65 to 7% down to 4 is going to be easier than the last 2% from 4 to 2%, which is the, the, the Fed's stated aim. Um, again, I wouldn't make too much out of the uh, payroll print. It was softer than expected, clearly, but um, it's really the only data, major data point that has come significantly below expectations in the last month. So I, I don't think I think that we're still very far from uh, from uh, inflation back at two percent targets in a sustained way. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Particularly if we look at, as you said, other other indicators of the U.S. labor market are actually still very strong. Jobless claims are low. 
um, job openings have actually increased in the past two or three months. So that, that does suggest that there still remains a, a way to go there. Uh, we're going to move on now and, and talk about Thursday's Bank of England announcement, because again, as anticipated, the MPC kept interest rates steady last week. The committee voted 6-3 in favour of no change, which some of the market viewed as, as moderately hawkish, given that some investors had expected one or two of the hawks to side with the doves, and potentially maybe even one of the members to vote for an immediate cut. The statement reiterated the line that more hikes could be required should inflation prove persistent. Uh, but the bank also warned over a possible sharp drop in inflation before year end, while also slashing the 2024 GDP forecast. The Bank of England now expects the UK economy to flatline next year and pose no growth at all, which is a downgrade from the 0.5% expansion it saw previously. A key aspect of the communications is that the MPC pushed back against the possibility of more rate cuts, or of rate cuts, I should say, uh, seemingly confirming the committee's preference for a table mountain approach rather than a Matterhorn, whereby we see a lower peak in interest rates, but the first cuts are a longer way off. Sterling has reacted fairly favourably to the news, outperforming most of its major peers in the past week and trading around the 123 level on the dollar at the time of recording at least. Uh, but is this table mountain approach to raise the best way to go? Uh, and what are our general thoughts on the announcement and its impact on the pound? I think that people are overestimating a bit the signs of the, the weakness of the, of the British economy. Um, I think that it's performing in line with or better than the Eurozone economy. I think that uh, the historical cheapness of the currency gives it a big, a bit of a leg up, not a massive one, but a bit of a leg up on the European economy. Um, and I, I think that uh, that is the main reason to be optimistic about the pound, the historical levels of overvaluation. Um, there's, there's no uh, significant uh, crisis or in the, in the horizon. Uh, the most dire predictions about the impact of Brexit seem to have not been realized. Um, and, and I noticed that they have uh, been quietly disappearing from, from the headlines. Um, I do think that in parallel, the inflation problem in the UK is probably stickier than the Eurozone. Uh, we're seeing a very clear transmission from uh, second runs effects from the uh, headline inflation to wage demands and actual wage outcomes. And so I'm frankly here not convinced that we've seen the last hike out of the Bank of England. Uh, and definitely in addition to the same issue we've seen the, with, the, with the Fed, uh, with, with markets getting too uh, excited about the prospect of a, of a, of a cut at some point in the, in the first half of 2024. In, in the UK, we are no more than one bad inflation surprise away from additional hikes, at least one more from the Bank of England. Uh, this, that's another point where I disagree with, with market prices. Well, look, yeah, I mean, the, the Bank of England certainly seems to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, as you alluded to, uh, UK inflation still remains far too high. Wages continue to expand at, at a very strong pace and not far off, off record highs. But but as you mentioned, clearly activity data is deteriorating. I think a re recession does seem possible in the coming quarters and, and not even out of the question in the second half of this year, if not early early next year. 
Um, but I don't think the, the, the MPC will mind a mild recession um, if, if it helps bring down consumer prices. Uh, and I, I, I do agree. I think the Bank of England will be will be more cautious than market expects. And certainly, again, I, I think that markets got a little bit too carried away. I would be expecting cuts fairly deep into 2024, certainly no sooner than the first half of next year, at least. Brilliant. Now, with that out of the way, let's turn our focus to the Nordics region. Uh, and in recent months, we've seen a general underperformance in both uh, the Swedish and Norwegian kroners uh, in the past six months. The Swedish kroner has lost almost 7% of its value against the US dollar, underperforming only the Japanese yen in the G10, while also hitting a record low on the euro in September. The Norwegian kroner has not fared too much better. Uh, the Norwegian currency lost, has lost over 5% of its value in that time, extending its year-to-date losses to almost 11%. Uh, let's start by talking about what has contributed to these moves. And we'll bring Carl in uh, to the episode for this because we're very keen to hear your thoughts on this. What do you make, Carl, of the, the recent moves we've seen in both the Swedish and Norwegian kroners? And why do you think these currencies are underperforming their major peers? Yes, uh, thank you very much. Um, the Norwegian uh, and Swedish currencies um, are very much uh, affected by indirectly the size of the economies. The Swedish and the Norwegian economies are not uh, very large in the grand scheme of things. Uh, And what happens inside uh, these uh, countries um, is less an impact on the currency than what is happening in the wider world. So uh, how um, the European Central Bank, for example, has been raising rates uh, together with the Fed uh, is impacting um, the, both the Norwegian and the Swedish currencies more than what the uh, central banks are doing in the countries. Historically, um, an environment with uh, poor economic outlooks, uh, shaky equity markets, and high interest rates around the world uh, is usually very negative for both the Swedish and the Norwegian economy. So, like you said, both the Swedish and the Norwegian currencies have have weakened uh, significantly over the past six months. But also, if you look back over the last two years, um, the Swedish krona, for example, has lost uh, around 20% of its value uh, against um, uh, against the euro, despite the fact that the Riksbank has also raised rates from zero uh, to where we are now um, at, at 4%. Uh, we did see um, um, a couple of instances of uh, Swedish and Norwegian and kroner strength. Um, first of all, it was in, um, in, in, in July, in the middle of July, and then a second round in, um, in September. Uh, and that was, I feel, when the market started to shift sentiment to uh, the ECB and uh, the Fed, um, looking at being at the top of their uh, rate, um, interest rate um, cycle. Uh, and I think we 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 might not see a we might not see a uh, a consistent uh, strength in either the Swedish kroner or the Norwegian kroner uh, until we get uh, a reduction uh, in rates, or at least the market thinks that rates are going to come down in both the eurozone and and the US. 
Yeah, so that, that, that would sort of be my, my next sort of point. I mean, if, obviously, we've, we've seen both these currencies trade at very sort of weak levels. Um, do, do you think that that could provide an attractive proposition to investors or, or actually do we see more pain ahead uh, for, for these currencies? What, what do you think? Um, I, I think um, I think we can see some some more pain ahead. Um, unfortunately, I think the, um, um, the the weakness of both the Norwegian and the Swedish krona is affecting um, is affecting the central banks and uh, what they are, are are looking to do. We are obviously importing quite a lot of inflation from abroad uh, at the same time as the central banks are trying to get um, inflation um, inflation under control. Um, if you look at Sweden, for example, the high interest rates have led to a lot of real estate companies getting into, into quite a lot of trouble. Um, the Swedish economy is, um, is uh, we, we saw the latest figures um, out um, last week. We had PMI figures that were that, that are still significantly below and below 50 so there's still contraction there uh, and now um, some of the Swedish um, uh, main Swedish banks now uh, think that uh, have downgraded their GDP forecasts for uh, for both 2023 and for 2024 so I, I think uh, it's looking uh, it's not looking very very bright um, on that on that front. Also, I think um, the the um, the exporters are uh, taking advantage of of this weak uh, krona, and they are. And I don't I don't feel that they have properly started to hedge um, their currency yet, and um, that I think also uh, has led to um, has led to the krona um, not strengthening as much as it as it maybe should. One question for me is that it used to be. I don't know if it's a bit dated, but it used to be that the, the exchange rate between the euro and the kroner was thought as a as a worldwide indicate leading indicator of the of the manufacturing cycle, um, and so the, the it tends to anticipate uh, where the cycle is going. A strong kroner seems to anticipate a, a, a rebound in manufacturing activity worldwide, and vice versa. Uh, do you think that's still the case, and and can we can we look at uh, at that exchange rate as a as a predictor of where the the global manufacturing cycle will go? Um, I think it's I think it's definitely a possibility. I think if you look at if you look at the Riksbank, for example, they do they do see a strengthening of the Swedish kroner as and when the e- economies around the world uh, start to start to rebound. Um, they have, for example, started to um, to hedge their currency reserve. Um, so the Riksbank will be over the next uh, few months, um, starting uh, about a month ago, uh, or have started to uh, hedge their currency reserve. So they are going to be selling uh, around eight billion dollars against Swedish kroner and uh, two billion euros uh, because they are um, they are worried about uh, the future strength of the um, of the Swedish kroner. Um, so I think they are also looking at it uh, in. In that regard, um, so I think I think we can see uh, in the future that um, um, a weaker a weaker dollar, for example, and a, a better risk appetite, uh, and 
better economic outlooks throughout the world it would, would, would most likely lead to um, a strengthening of the Swedish kroner. But the question is, as, well, as, as, as with the, the, the ECB and the Fed, when are they done and when will this uh, turnaround come? Well, look, yeah, it's certainly going to be a very interesting period ahead for, for these currencies, I think, and as, particularly as two of the major uh, or the higher risk major currencies, certainly any rebound in risk appetite could be bullish for these currencies. But as, as, you, as you mentioned, it's a, a very challenging global, global growth, uh, growth outlook at the moment, which is typically not ideal um, for, 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 the, for the Scandinavian currencies. So we'll see how things uh, develop. Um, I wanted to finish quickly by um, touching on Ibri's plans for our Nordic region. So, Carl, I was wondering if you'd maybe give us a, just a quick overview as to Ibri's plans for the Nordics. Yeah, so as you quickly mentioned um, in the beginning, um, Ibri has now set up a, a Nordic headquarters in Stockholm, where we will be leading our expansion into the Nordic area. Um, we uh, have opened an office um, uh, in the beginning of October, uh, and we are uh, currently hiring and looking to expand. Uh, and uh, we want to be able to offer the full suite of uh, Ebri products uh, towards uh, towards the Nordic region. Uh, and um, in, in, um, as everything, if everything goes well in Sweden, we will also be looking at uh, possibly expanding into into other Nordic countries uh, like Denmark and Norway and maybe Finland um, in the future as well. So um, they're very exciting times ahead for Ebri in the Nordic. Absolutely, very much exciting times, and we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing how this expansion develops for sure. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebri's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.